Welcome to Work and Play, the podcast of Constanji Brooks, Smith & Profit. Here we discuss employment news and provide practical tips that you can use at your company or in your practice. I'm your host, Susan Basford-Wilson. I am joined today by my co-host and partner, Sherry Silverman. Hi, Sherry. How's it going in Florida? Well, it's going. I'm not sure where it's going since I'm on day 40-something of being at home, and I still don't know when I'm going anywhere, but soon enough, things are going to change, and businesses are going to start reopening and resuming operations. I am so excited that there is a light at the end of the tunnel of shelter at home, but reopening involves a ton of issues that employers need to think about which is why we thought that we should devote our 10th episode to returning to work post-COVID-19 and a myriad of things that employers need to know and think about to adequately prepare to bring their workforces physically back into the office. You know, to some, the whole notion of return to work seems like an overly optimistic idea, but the reality is that some states have already opened back up for business to a greater or lesser extent. And regardless of what state you're in, it is not too early to plan. I agree, particularly since Missouri is one of those states that is reopening shortly. We have started to get a lot of questions about both the legalities and the logistics of reopening. The EEOC has already spoken to some of those issues. So why don't you start with one of the biggest, the most fundamental questions, which is how do employers bring employees back from a layoff or a furlough? Are there any legal landmines there? Good question. And of course, you know, there are going to be some fact-specific questions here, depending on whether you furloughed people or terminated their employment, how you did so, and if you need to onboard them again. But in general, When you're talking about getting people physically back into the workplace, it might not be as simple as just bringing everyone back on a certain date. It might need to happen in waves instead of all at once. And if that's the case, you need to ensure you're making these selections in a non-discriminatory manner. So for example, employers may think that they're being considerate to allow pregnant employees or older workers to remain home and permit employees to return first to, you know, don't fall under those categories. But doing this could create a pregnancy discrimination or an age discrimination claim. This is one of those perfect examples of no good deed goes unpunished, where a company's good intentions might actually create liability for them, perhaps. It may very well be that an older worker or a pregnant worker, someone who is immunocompromised, might not prefer to return to work right away, but an employer should not assume that or make that decision for that employee. Unless the older worker or pregnant worker indicates they cannot return as normal for some reason, don't make assumptions that would result in a discriminatory impact on a protected group. Exactly. Nailed it. All right. So that's good advice when it comes to bringing back employees from furlough or temporary layoff. What about bringing back an employee who was working this whole time, but they were working from home? I have a hypothetical for you. Let's say your state, which I shall call the state of disbelief, Perfect. Um, 
let's say that the governor of the fine state of disbelief announces that her great state is now open for business. What do you do? Tell everyone to report to work per the usual come Monday morning, 8 a.m., no questions asked? Okay, I know we're all getting a little stir crazy, but you got to slow your roll right here. First, although I feel like I live in your made-up state of disbelief, I don't believe there's any legal issue with employers simply allowing employees to continue to work from home for just a bit longer, even if the governor declares everything is open for business. So that could continue to be an option. But let's assume we really need to get people back to the physical location because For example, your business provides goods or services to customers that simply can't be done remotely, like that haircut we all need. Um, Who, me? I don't don't need a haircut right now. No, no, you don't. uh, So one of the first areas of concern is what employers can do to ensure they're safely permitting employees to return to work. Because let's face it, even when the stay-at-home orders are modified or lifted, it's probably not a good idea to immediately return to business as usual without some change in protocol to ensure the safety of our employees. And one of the first things employers will have to decide is whether they're going to want to screen or test employees for COVID-19. Well, but that immediately raises a red flag as potentially unlawful under the Americans with Disabilities Act, right? Right. So in a normal world, you can't just make disability-related inquiries or medical inquiries on all of your employees when they just walk into work in the morning. However, the ADA does allow this if it's job-related and consistent with business necessity. Inquiries and reliable medical exams meet this standard if it's necessary to exclude employees with a medical condition that would pose a direct threat to health or safety. And all of that obviously begs the question, what is a direct threat? Direct threat is a significant risk of substantial harm to the health or safety of that employee or others, which can't be eliminated or reduced by a reasonable accommodation. Well, that was a helpful explanation, clearly written by a lawyer. I know. (laughs) But fortunately, the EOC issued guidance that COVID-19 constitutes a direct threat. So... That answers that question. Employers will be complying with the ADA as long as any screening is consistent with advice from the CDC and public health authorities for that type of workplace at that time. So in other words, this is a situation where you can inquire into the employee's medical condition specific to COVID-19. Okay. So practically speaking, what does this testing look like? We know from guidance that has come out over the last few weeks that, according to the EEOC, it's now okay to take employee temperatures, and it's now okay to ask questions specific to COVID-19 symptoms. But what other considerations should employers think about when it comes to testing? So in general, employers need to ensure their tests are accurate and reliable, if your next door neighbor is, you know, coming over and saying, hey, I just got a bunch of COVID-19 tests in the mail from Amazon. Go ahead and use these. I'd venture to say that might not pass the accurate and reliable test. It might be kind of weird. Um, but so probably shouldn't use those in the operation of your business. 
I think that is sound advice. (laughs) How do you know if a test is accurate and reliable though? Okay. So employers should look at guidance from the FDA about what may or may not be considered safe and accurate testing, as well as guidance from the CDC or other public health authorities on this subject. One of the big unknowns right now is whether using the COVID-19 antibody tests would be considered lawful. So that, you know, you know, the EEOC issued guidance about this testing recently, but not this particular test. They didn't address this point, just testing in general. So, you know, I say this now, but by the time this airs, the EEOC may have given us some guidance on the antibody test, but for right now, we just don't know. That's a great point. As we've said so many times before on the podcast and on our Coronavirus Resource Center, companies really do need to check out the state of the law in this area frequently and talk to their counselor counsel early and often because this area is still changing on a weekly basis. So while we stay tuned on the antibody test issue, let's let's think about even if the antibody tests are considered lawful, employers may want to still think about things like the incidence of false positives or false negatives associated with this test, right? And of course, testing would only reveal if the virus is currently present. A negative test doesn't mean an employee wouldn't get the virus later. Additionally, the logistics associated with this testing are are something that you need to consider. If you're an employer, are you going to test employees every day, all of them? You're going to test them every week? How quickly do you think you're going to be able to get those test results? How expensive is it going to be to make this all happen? Who's going to be the one performing those tests? And how are you going to store the test results in a manner that ensures confidentiality under the ADA? Now you have my head spinning. It's a lot of questions. And really, they're they're just a lot of unknowns now. But I think the point is there's so many things to think about. But practically speaking, I don't think an antibody test alone is the silver bullet to be able to say, okay, the workplace is totally and completely safe. Everyone come back. You know, again, it is one of those things that you need to consider. Got it. So let's say you do some type of screening or testing to try to limit the spread of COVID-19 within your workplace. What if an employee is healthy, presents no risk, but doesn't want to come back because of COVID-19? What happens then? Yeah, this is a big one. And for the first time in today's episode, I'll say it depends. I am shocked that we made it this far before getting that answer. I know. I held off as long as I could, but eventually just slips right off the tongue. (laughs) But there is no one-size-fits-all answer here because it depends on why the employee is objecting to returning. The first question is whether there's any legitimate basis for the employee to stay home. If the employee falls into one of the categories of FFCRA leave, which of course is leave under the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, such as caring for a child whose school or place of care is closed, and if the employee still has time under that act left, then they should be able to stay home for the balance of the time still available to them. Okay, so for the sake of argument, let's say that the employee does not fall under one of the categories listed 
uh, in the FFCRA or any state leave laws, but instead just has a general and understandable fear of contracting or being exposed to the coronavirus. What happens then? That fear alone is generally not going to be a sufficient reason to excuse an employee from reporting to work. However, if the employee states he can't work because of an underlying condition which puts him at a higher risk if exposed to COVID-19, or if the employee says you know, he suffers from anxiety which is now exacerbated by the thought of returning, the answer could be different. That makes sense. Let's now assume that our hypothetical employee has exhausted all available leave under employers' policies, under the FFCRA, and under any other federal, state, or local leave laws. Then employers must consider whether the employee's request triggers an interactive conversation about a reasonable accommodation under the ADA. So put another way, employers need to consider if an employee is presenting with a disability for which they need to provide a reasonable accommodation to allow the employee to perform essential job functions, of course, absent an undue hardship to the employer. Obviously, continuing to work remotely could be a possible accommodation, particularly if the employer has allowed that employee or other employees to work remotely over the past month or two. However, I want to make this hard for us, Sherry. Let's assume that's not possible because of the employee's position and work duties. Like this person is a hairstylist. Now what happens? Well, if the employee can't work from home because that's not a reasonable accommodation due to the nature of that employee's job, and the employee is entitled to an accommodation under the ADA or similar state law, then the employer is going to need to engage in that interactive conversation we like to talk about and consider other accommodations and changes to the work environment, you know, if there are other options that would enable the person to do their job, and doing so would not be an undue hardship on the employer. Of course, all these decisions are are going to be fact-specific and handled on a case-by-case basis. By its very nature, there is no one general accommodation that will be effective for everyone. However, as you just said, employers shouldn't forget that it is possible that there might be some adjustments in the workplace that would help accommodate the needs of returning workers. Actually, while we're on that point, can we talk about what changes employers should be implementing in the physical workplace post-COVID-19, not as an accommodation, but in general? Yes, this is a common question. And It will depend on a variety of factors, but the EOC has given suggestions on some possible changes to the work environment. So I'll give you some examples the EOC has given us. So in retail environments, the EOC recommends designating one-way aisles and using plexiglass or tables or other barriers to ensure minimum distances between customers and coworkers. And, you know, another one is employers may want to consider staggering shifts and modifying work schedules. Um, you know, that'll help with logistics in terms of, you know, if you're trying to fit people on an elevator and everyone needs to arrive at the same time, you don't want to have a situation where there's a bottleneck. And other things that would you know, really can apply to any industry is that the employer may want to provide face masks, and gloves to limit exposure. 
and think about other logistics as well. And there may be industry-specific rules as well, right? Right. So what it looks like for a law office may be very different than the needs of a medical office or that hair salon that you keep mentioning. What can I say? I'm influenced by social media. There is a lot of discussion about DIY bangs and highlights and cutting your children's hair potentially badly. Additionally, following OSHA's guidance or the CDC's guidance and working to create a safe workplace could also help insulate employers from the wrongful death lawsuits that we've started to see. So whatever the business, no company should overlook the basics. Things employers were probably already doing before they were sent home, like having antibacterial wipes and hand sanitizer around, ensuring sufficient cleaning protocols, reminding employees to wash their hands for 20 seconds. All that good stuff. Right. And of course, toilet paper, right? <laughs> well, yes, that remains a necessity. And in case you were wondering, two friends of mine heard me mention that my family couldn't find toilet paper, and one of them somehow managed to order me some. Another one smuggled me some. Nancy, Paula, my family is forever in your debt. However, that was several weeks back, and we're starting to get a little low again. And those memes about living on a square. And back in my day, we used to string toilet paper on the trees of our enemies are are really starting to resonate with me again. <laughs> I love that one. There's so many other things we could discuss, but I think when we start to talk about the restroom too much, it's our cue to wrap up. Of course, we have plenty of return to work resources available on Constanji's webpage. So I encourage our listeners to check that out for the most up-to-date guidance. Definitely. And while they're at it, everyone should listen to our partner, Lee Tyson's most recent episode of Constangi TV, Home Edition. It is infotaining. It is amusing and yet full of useful tips, ranging from advice about not cutting your own hair to data security to keeping busy at home. You know, I just realized that none of her quote unquote coworkers crashed her recording session. And Thrillingly, none of my coworkers made it into my home office during this podcast. Um, it wasn't for lack of trying, but fortunately, the the lock worked very well. So I'm calling that a win. Definite win. I love the quote unquote coworker coronavirus memes and tweets where your spouse, your kid, your roommate, or your pet is now your coworker. I know. Me too. They're hilarious. Like. The ones that I can relate to are the ones like my coworker just climbed onto my lap and asked if I wanted to play with dolls or <laughs> if I had to make up my own. My coworker just busted into my office during a Zoom meeting, crawled under the table and started incessantly tapping on my toes. And that one was hypothetical, right? Completely. Just made that up out of thin air. That's fabulous. I particularly like the one that says... My coworkers keep wearing pajamas to work and complaining bitterly if I dare to suggest they change. <laughs> um, also, honorable mention for all oh. the memes that like change the words of a song. They really, I really enjoy those, though my husband has advised me not to sing them on the show. Oh, and speaking of, I have a PSA for our listeners brought to you by a meme which says, FYI, dads, your children will not be bringing home handmade Mother's Day gifts from school. You have 15 days. Now, I'm a little late here, so it's less than 15 days, but the point still stands. 
I thought it was important. I tweeted it. So you can check it out on Twitter if you feel the need to share that particular meme with your significant others. Hey, you know, this is great. At Constangi, we like to do what we can to provide you with practical help. And so with that PSA, I think we can now wrap up today's show. Thanks for joining me today, Sherry. Pleasure as always, Susan. Before we sign off, I do have a small request for our listeners. As we have said before, we are a new podcast. We just launched at the end of February, and it would be great if those of you listening would follow us, rate us, and especially leave us a written review on iTunes, Blueberry, or wherever else you get your podcasts so that other people who are interested in employment law can find us. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope you tune in for the next episode in a couple of weeks.